The Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello. Welcome to the Cambridge Film Show, everybody. I'm Ashley Whitaker. In the studio, we have Simon. Hello. And Will. Hello. And Lorcan. Hello. We're talking about lots of films today. Can you see that IMDb screen in front of you, Lorcan? Because I, I, can, clicked, did. I clicked go on a trailer, so I need to reload it. So you're <laughs> going to tell everyone <laughs> the films that we're going through. And give me 30 seconds. Don't worry about it. So today, yeah, we're going to chat. We'll start off with uh, the sequel to Shazam and sort of sequel to Black Adam, Fury of the Gods. Um, and then we're moving on to the new Adam Driver vehicle, uh, Sci-Fi Monster Adventure 65. Uh, after that, we've got uh, one for the older generation where Jennifer Saunders plays a nurse on a geriatric ward in Alan Bennett's adaptation of uh, his play Alleluia. Then we're moving on to the sixth iteration of the Scream franchise, the refreshed, revitalized for a new generation. Uh, after that, we're moving on to Pearl, the pseudo-sequel prequel to X that came out last year, but very much a standalone film, um, where Mia Goth plays a very ambitious young woman living in uh, the uh, Spanish influenza. Uh, and then we're finishing off with a film to potentially cap off the Luther franchise where Idris Elba returns as the iconic character in the latest big espionage action film. He's a pro, everyone. And I managed to reload the trailer in time, so let's head to the DC multiverse and listen to a little bit of Shazam. A lot has changed in the last few years. The wizard gave me superpowers. Shazam! And then everybody got superpowers. Started from the bottom, now we're here. All right, here's the situation. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. The daughters of Atlas are coming to hunt us. Children stole the power of the gods. You ripped it from our father's core. Okay, I feel like maybe I should be writing all this down. Give us the powers, child. Your world will not survive this. You want these powers? Come get them! Hey, Khaleesi! We have one job to do, save the world. So, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, we have Zachary Levi back in the leotard. I don't think it's really a leotard, it looks <laughs> like one. Um, but Will, tell us a little about what is going on in this sequel, I think, to Shazam. You know I'm not good with my DC and my Marvel. I know, I know. Um, well, Shazam kicks off four years after the original and, surprisingly for me, didn't disappoint. Um, introduce our antagonist from the very beginning and also our protagonist with Shazam and his family who are seen more as a hindrance to their community than a help because wherever they go, they just cause a lot of havoc. Uh, main synopsis of this is that um, the gods of Atlas come back and, well, they're out for revenge against humankind. And um, it's up to our heroes, or anti-heroes, to actually defeat this new nemesis. And film actually has quite a few laughs. And you've got to look out for a few cameo appearances from other DC mm -hmm. stars. And there's two end credit scenes. So one in the middle, one at the end. So I'm not going to tell you about it, but... You have to stay and watch it. I have another great question about an end credit scene for another film later on, but okay. are you... Because we don't know each other very well yet, Will. You're kind of new here. Are you into the old superhero shtick? Because I just hate it and can't be bothered. I rarely listen. You seem super into it. Is Where does this 
pitched to you in terms of great superhero film or just money-making gyne leotard let's try and pack them in um it's more i think it's more money-making but as i said it's better than the first one and dc have had a few turkeys over the past few years what are the turkeys name and shame <laughs> or definitely just we- just whedon's justice league Oh. Yes, that that was very bad. Hang on, Wonder Woman is that DC? N- yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Which one? Eighty four. The other. The one. first one where they all had tiny furry clothes on in <laughs> sub zero temperatures. I was like, oh please, I hated that. You shouldn't watch the next one, Ash. Oh, okay. next one's worse. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I disagree, but never mind. <laughs> Simon, you're explaining that we're coming to the end of a cycle in DC. Are yeah. We- we're just refreshing the whole cast. Is this where they remake every single film? They're going to be remaking every single film again. They've got uh, James Gunn back as a creative director to do what Kevin Feige's done over at Mar- Marvel. Um, he did the fantastic The Suicide Squad, not the first one, the second okay. one. That's really good. And, of course, everyone knows him from Guardians of the Galaxy films for Marvel. Um, this has led a strange situation where there are three films left over from the old slates still to be released. Uh, Shazam being the first one, we've also got Ackman 2 and The Flash coming up before everything kind of gets rebooted. So, despite the fact there are end credit scenes on here, they may not go anywhere. True. Um, <laughs> I was a bit unsure about this and had a few problems watching it. Um, You've got Zachary Levi playing the whole point of the character of Shazam is he's a superhero, but he's a kid. We've moved forward on, the kid's 17, 18, it suddenly loses that thing when you're like, well, he can't okay. really play like an immature, you know, 14-year-old anymore in the, you know, grown man's body when you're playing an 18-year-old in a more grown man superhero body, and it just kind of loses something. Um, however, I was surprised... I did enjoy this more than I expected, mainly due to Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu uh, chewing up the scenery whenever they can. Um, and also, I remembered one of my rules of cinema. If a film has a dragon in it, you have to go and see it, because we need more films with dragons, and the dragon in here, you see plenty of it, and it doesn't disappoint. Um, yeah, mixing a bit of Greek mythology and creatures and unicorns and product placement and... But at the end of it, I actually had quite a good time. You and I are such different people, Simon. <laughs> it's a wonder we're such um, I, I guessed that Mirren and Lucy Lee would have been brilliant additions to a film like this. Um, they can only bring a new angle. But not being that close to the superhero franchise thing anyway, What? how does Zachary Levi work? Because from the outside, he doesn't seem like a Robert Downey Jr. type Spider-Man-y guy to me. He's a different he, kind he, he's of He's a man-child, you know. I mean, he was great in Chuck on TV shows. Brilliant. He did the brief Marvel appearance. Um, does it pull away from what you expect from a superhero film, or does he carry it? It, is. it seems that, a bit wet I mean, to me. in the first film, that's where you get the uh, twist and all of that, where you get these you know 14 year old boy mm-hmm. becoming a big superhero what to do with the powers and experimenting and it's like why am i a superhero what happens and that's what zachary levi pulls off it's he kind of like the childlike wonder of i am a superhero i'm a you know in a superhero's body yet i'm still a kid at heart and that's what he comes over as um which just make it more likable but and not as serious a lot of the other dc ones which do go full you know full tragedy and full seriousness this one's actually a lot more light-hearted yeah um and so you've already said we're going to do a big reboot. I guess that means a big recast. Will, do you think Zachary Levi's out of here? Do you think he'll hang around? Do we need a, a new Shazam guy? <laughs> I think he is the guy because obviously, originally he was, well, they, they basically hated him as Shazam, but I think he's grown into the character and okay. there is a space for him somewhere, but well, that remains to be seen when and where. 
So we think DC is going to be sticking with Zachary Levi, and I await the big shake-up. PG-13 means 12A, do you reckon? Mm. Yeah, IMDb is so unhelpful for me. That's what I have in front of my face right now. <laughs> we'll go with 12A. It's showing in the multiplexes in town, I guess. That's Shazam, Fury of the Gods. And now we are moving over to one of my favourite actors, and I'm very excited to see why he made this career choice. Adam Driver is in the brand new 65. We've crash landed on an uncharted celestial body. I don't know where we are. I've located one survivor. A child. The atmosphere is breathable. There's something alien out there. Adam Driver looks to have crash-landed somewhere that looks like it's the future, but it's kind of the past. There's a dinosaur and there's a big fancy space gun. What's going on in 65? So it's basically, if anyone remembers, After Earth with uh, Will Smith and his son, but in reverse, uh, Adam Driver... Uh, is a normal-looking man who's on a normal-looking mission, crash lands on a planet, oh, there's big footprints everywhere, oh, my God, it's 65 million years ago on Earth, and Adam Driver's an alien. Time the wrong way. Whoopsie. Uh, I mean, oh. that's, oh. it, he's, he's, he is an alien, so oh. it's, the, the premise is aliens visited Earth 65 million years ago, oh. had a little adventure. We weren't and ready. And it had led to no consequences whatsoever. Um, <laughs> it's uh, very much... Uh, it, it comes across very strongly that it's a movie made for certain international audiences. There's very little dialogue by design. The film's right. vocabulary is very limited to presumably make it very translatable. Um, a lot of the... A lot of the dinosaurs are just effectively copied and pasted out of Jurassic Park with a very... The only, I think the Velociraptor equivalent is just the monster from A Quiet Place, which is the, the writers of that those films are here. But it's it's not, it's a swift 90 minutes. Uh, it's fun enough. There's a couple creative choices here and there that kind of keep you invested. You'll probably won't remember it very quick. Very, You won't remember a lot of the details very quickly after you finish watching it. Simon, you seeing that Scott Beck and Brian Woods wrote and directed this, the people behind the Quiet Place franchise, I'm going to boldly call it at this point, were you excited for it for that reason? And were you, you look disappointed? I was certainly interested for it. Um, you know, Quiet Place is, you know, a couple of tense horrors um, which quickly built up in its world building and you believed in it. Um, two things that never actually happened in this film. I mean, to be honest, mm. going in, I thought it was you, it's time travel, and thought it's going to be interesting, and, you know, race against time, survival, and everything like that, and then you find out, no, it's just alien humans from 65 million years, a long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, kind of like thing. Um, and when they landed, I, I kind of, like, disagreed a little bit with Lorcan. Um, one of the big problems I found were the actual dinosaurs. I actually thought the changes that they'd made made them look 
more alien than the dinosaurs we recognised. And if there were the Jurassic Park dinosaurs, I might have actually preferred it a little bit more. Um, but I think a lot more the, the reptiles <laughs> and the jacket edges. I know it's all supposed to be feathers now, but mm. this meant they looked like aliens. And it kind of, you're like, why did you make that choice? Why is it 65 million years ago? Is this could have been any superhero film, you know, not superhero film, you know, sci-fi film. Somebody lands on an alien planet, has to survive the hostile alien planet. It's no reason that it has to be 65 million years. And it just thought the idea of, you know, somebody going back, surviving, riding dinosaurs, Turk style, if anybody knows any video games, um, is an absolutely fantastic premise, which seemed to be completely and utterly wasted on this generic, um, quite boring, go from A to B, find a young girl, so you're tagging along like Logan and The Last of Us and so many other things that we've had recently. And it just... Um, having the two main characters speaking different languages as well um, meant I found there wasn't really any connection there. Okay, so, so lots of barriers. And we're, we're thinking that a lot of barriers to enjoying it, yeah. I mean, it kind of a few action scenes, but it just <laughs> seemed very much by the numbers. Just a meh. The basic yeah. framework um, of the idea and not much to flesh it out. They really didn't spend much time fleshing it, and it was just So my next question, empty. I think, I, I get the reason from when Lorcan was saying it seems to be made simply for international audiences, because yeah. I was wondering why we have such a sincere actor as Adam Driver taking on a role like this. It's one thing to go paycheck superhero for the Star Wars franchise. What are you doing here, Adam Driver? So did he jar for you, Will? Were you surprised to see him in this? Did he work? It was different because initially I actually watched the trailer and I thought, oh, I'd like to watch it. And then after a few more like updated trailers, I thought, ah. But then I went in and I enjoyed it. And Adam Driver did give a good performance because it was a simple film. Could have actually had a bit more plot, but it was just an easy watch. And as you said, international audiences will actually yeah. like it just for being... Plain and so simple. He elevated what could have been super rubbish to middlingly okay. Yes, because <laughs> yes, because because his character's a doting father who wants to try and save his daughter. So he goes on one final mission to you know, to actually pay for her treatment. I think she's suffering from a respiratory illness. Right. Um. So. So he's on the job here. Yeah. So I actually likened it to a cross between Jurassic World. Um, a nice little family adventure, Prey, and Andy's Dinosaur Adventures, which my two-year-old absolutely <laughs> is obsessed with. No, well, that's what I was wondering, yeah. because it's, again, it looks like it's a 12A, so maybe this is kind of for, it's, it's a more grown-up film for kids. Yeah. They're into their action be, yes. and their history and stuff. I think uh, with the uh, with the lack of plot and lack, it, it's very much stoppy starty, quick action scene, quick character moment, quick action scene. It, it, it felt like I was in the cinema in the '90s where they were just churning out these action movies, <laughs> I see. and it was just oh my god, so stoppy starty. Um, but I mean, it wouldn't be too bad with the lack of dialogue and the the increase of atmosphere if they had a director who was a good at vis who was good at visual storytelling but as far as I'm aware uh, Woods and whatever his name is they haven't directed any anything before as, as as far as I'm aware okay so Let's they don't I don't think they have any chops in directing so I don't know why they wouldn't just go for an established director who's uh, established the fact money. that they can they can generate an app because it's like there's a 
absolute glut of like talent out there, especially in directors, and like plenty of them have made short films that are probably very atmospheric, and you you get the story and the atmosphere and the vibe just from the visuals alone, which is what this film needs. But it's just so generically shot. It's, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. It's frustrating. It's a framework of a good film, mm. but I just been left question saying why do you do this if, if, all the way throughout it if the framework of this film was going to work at all Simon it was going to have to be campy as anything they would have had to turn it up to 11 it whereas this is so dour from the poster and the trailer I'm watching on silent no it's dour it's, oh okay it's... well good idea poor execution I guess for 65 maybe best place for young teenagers who are into this kind of thing and don't need a lot of nuance or interest or plot or script cool so we're moving on now on a massive gear change to a geriatric ward with Dench and Saunders. This is Alleluia. This isn't just a hospital. That's wonderful, maybe. Think sunshine. It's the Beth, and the Beth is the people. Gorgeous Gerald, the physio, will be paying us a call. Oh, that's it. I'm definitely wearing my shorty nighty. There's a camera crew here helping us to save the Beth. This is chipped. No wonder the government are going to close you down. Five are a strip to win a week in Cleethorpes. Oh, you can sponsor me to do a skydive. Do you know, you've a lovely man with her. I like old people. Rubbish. Even old people don't like old people. The patients, without the Beth, I don't like to think where they will have to go. There was something about books that excited me. Marginalia. The little notes. Readers write at the edges of the page. So, Lorcan, king of the arts picture house, Alleluia. It's a story of a geriatric ward in a tiny little Yorkshire hospital, and we're threatened with closure. I did not make up the term Dench and Saunders, but I'm going to say it as much <laughs> as I can because it's brilliant. We have Judy Dench and Jennifer Saunders. This seems like the kind of thing that's that would really work well in the Arts Picture House in Cambridge. Have you been packing them in for a story like this? It's charming and warm, isn't it? Um, it yeah, it's it's how oh, it's it's kind of a um, all the right ingredients, but maybe not the best. Um, all the red ingredients but maybe not the best meal kind of thing because okay. every, everything about it it's like uh, NHS got Jennifer Sanders Judy Dench Derek Jacoby um, David Bradley most most famous probably is uh, Filch and um, Harry Potter um, oh yeah with a cat um, and it's, it's 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 certainly garnered a lot of interest um, I think it's a very it's kind of an interesting one because it's based on Alan Bennett's play okay um, which was uh, had a very successful run on the National Theatre it was circa 2018 I think um, and it, they do, I think, I can't remember the name of the screenwriter, Heidi something. She does a very good job of adapting it for a film. It does, it's not, a, it's not 10 very long scenes stitched together. It's, there's a lot, there's some kinetic energy to the editing and the, they don't linger on scenes for too long. Um, and it's, it's, I think it feels to me more like something that's made to show in a civics class in like GCSE level. Where I know exactly what you mean. It's just it's a it's a topic movie. I see. It's got enough character and drama to kind of keep you invested, but really it's all about the last ten minutes where they're kind of driving home the message, the message, which isn't a bad message at all. So it's overall kind of fine, really. It's fine. That screenwriter's name is Heidi Thomas. Heidi Thomas. I was right. wondering about the director Richard Eyre because he's made 
heavy things like notes on a scandal, Iris, the Children's Act. So he's an issue director, it would seem. But all those films were, were quite hard-hitting and difficult and really tough subject matter, whereas this, from the trailer, seems a little light and fluffy. Has he gone fluffy to appease a certain audience, or is it much darker than it I think I think the trailer's gone fluffy to appease the audience more right. than anything else because they're trying to they're trying to draw on the uh, kind of sassy old people who are coming to the end of their life. They don't really care, so they're just joking about anything. And then mm-hmm. you have certain irascible, grumpy old men. Like Derek Jacoby's very kind of grumpy throughout the whole film, which is played as a joke because he, he's almost dead. Why is he Why is he grumpy about everything? He should just be enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the, the film in general, the uh, sort of main character is this young man who works for the. Um, uh, Minister for Health, and he has a s- strange relationship with his dad, which is David Bradley, um, and he's kind of reviewing the hospital uh, while the hospital's taking care of his dad. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of weighing the strengths and benefits of the service that they're providing, and he's going to report back as to whether or not um, it's worth um, it's worth kind of maintaining these types of local institutions that are kind of staples for these communities. Um, they're, they're but very small parts of the community, making them very expensive. In yes, the grand so scheme, don't not right? sending people off to the super hospitals that yep. are kind of raggedy and poorly run. This is like an, mm-hmm. an, an more independent and where they kind of individuals taking care of individuals, uh, and it's like community led. Um, but it is it does the most engaging part is probably the moment where I think a lot of people might be split on the film, where there's a revelation, a rather dark revelation uh, in the third act, where you find out one of the characters isn't quite what they what they say they are. Okay. Um, and, but it's, overall, it does a very good textbook job of building these themes. Um, it worries its politics on the sleeve, you know what it's trying to say. Some people say the film's politically divisive, it doesn't quite know where to land on the NHS, because it's very much... I've heard criticisms that it's both pro and con NHS. It's like, is, is the government failing or is the NHS failing? Mm-hmm. But for me, it seems very clear that the film is very strongly pro NHS, certainly by okay. the by the end. And they've um, uh, they've adapted certain elements because it was a play from pre-pandemic and they've added certain elements to elevate the NHS theme uh, towards the end to make okay. it more relevant and hard-hitting. Yes. After they served us so well. Um, but it does, like I said, it's, um, it, it wears politics on the sleeve. It's very obvious what it is. Uh, the charming bits are charming. Um, it does a very good job of uh, normalizing what it's like to work in an old person clinic. They get all the kind of incontinent stuff out straight away. And that's it's, it's kind of a theme throughout the film, but it's not played as a joke. It's just, it's just like, oh, they've done that again. And yeah. like little things like that to make you really feel like this is what it's like to, to live and work in We're weird in with old people and death in this country, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, and, and, and Alan Bennett's getting up there, so I think he's very much embracing his age and being like, listen, I'm just going to show what it's really like on these types of wards. Maybe a little film, film-ized... Uh, uh, softened a little bit um, but it's very much it's just it is a love letter to the NHS and it's very it's a very comfortable watch it's not very challenging it hits okay. all the right beats and then it's got a kind of hard hitting ending that's that's meant to kind of reach out and grab you I but see. like I say it ends up more like a video made for a civics a class a perfect Monday afternoon at the Cambridge Arts Picture sounds House, like it I yeah. would say it's playing at all three Cambridge cinemas um, I don't know what certificate it is, so I'm going to guess it's a PG. IMDb can't be bothered to tell me. Um, <laughs> we'll do a quick break now, but you must come back for slasher series revival Scream 6, the incredibly dark, kooky and weird Pearl, and then new to Netflix, Luther has his own film. See you in a minute. Cambridge 105 Radio. 
Saturday night on Cambridge 105 Radio is all about the soul. Hi, this is Jamie Stocker. Join me here on Cambridge 105 Radio playing two hours of classic, rare and new funk and soul regular features and playing the very best in new music across the funk and soul genres. The Funk and Soul Show with Jamie Stocker tonight at 8, right after Chris Brown on Cambridge 105 Radio. Suicide can be prevented and we can all play our part. One question can save a life. One friend in particular who has been really supportive and been trying to keep me going and keep making contacts and keep making me talk and trying to keep me going, realised something was wrong and was trying to contact me. Asking about suicide won't prompt someone to kill themselves. In fact, it will probably help. If you're worried about someone, would you ask directly about suicide? I kind of got to the point because of all the support that she'd given me and I could see that, you know, she was desperately trying to get hold of me on my phone that I did eventually answer her call. Learn how to have a life-saving conversation at stopsuicidepledge.org. Make the pledge and sign up for a Stop Suicide training workshop. I'd ask, would you? Nick Wohm's Professional Painting and Decorating Services is your local award-winning decorating business with a great reputation. Our professional and friendly team can cover all aspects of decorating for domestic, commercial and industrial properties. So whether it's a bedroom makeover or an entire office block that needs repainting, we'll get the job done on budget and on time. Check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Nick Wohm's Professional Painting and Decorating Services to see pictures of our work. Or call us today on 07794 516 291. Cambridge 105 Radio. The Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome back, everyone. If you're only just tuning in, you have missed our review of Shazam 65 and Alleluia. We're moving now in a horror slasher kind of direction let's take a look at the trailer for the brand new installment to the scream franchise scream six i had this secret there's a darkness inside of me it followed me here and it's gonna keep coming for us we share a certain history This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello? Let's play a game. You know you're like the tenth guy to try this, right? Lol. Courtney Cox back in her... The role that made her famous, right? No. Um, we're back in the Scream franchise. Scream 6, Lorcan. Where are we? Who are we? What's going on? So we had the first three um, written by Kevin Williamson and directed by Wes Craven, and then they brought those creators back for the fourth one, which is supposed to be kind of a revitalization, uh, and then they didn't really capitalize on that, so now we're here another 11 years since the last one. No, sorry, Scream 5 was 11 years since Scream 4. Mm-hmm. And this was very much a reboot of the franchise, and the the point of the film was to make fun of rebooting franchise while making them a sequel and introducing new characters, killing off the old legacy characters. Um, and now we're so now with this, it's Scream Six, but it's really Scream Two again, effectively. Um, it's it's from Scream Five onwards. It's effectively a new a new franchise, um, and this time Ghostface goes to New York. Um, 
Like Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, which is the finest <laughs> sequel of all time. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, or Jason Goes to New York, which, Manhattan, which is not the finest sequel okay. of all time. <laughs> Jason should stay by the lake. He should. Um, I will, to stay positive briefly, um, they do a very good job of introducing New York. It's um, There's a really fantastic... They use apartments well, they use alleys, they use... Uh, the subway really well, all, and like warehouses, all this kind of stuff is used really well. Um, Ghostface, the new mask, is very cool. It's kind of gritty and dark and stained and cracked. Um, and his presence in the film is better than it's ever been. Whenever Ghostface shows up, you feel like a force of nature has just entered the room. I've seen a brilliant shot through a glass front door, yes. which I'm terrified by. It's um, he, they they really bring it in that sense. Uh, unfortunately, these since from five, which is the the proper kind of reboot. Um, they've really changed the format so that it. Kevin Williamson was a big horror fan. He wrote the original Screams, and the whole. And I get the impression that Wes Craven, the director of those ones as well, probably wasn't the biggest studio fan. Um, and they very much made films from a fan perspective, making fun of studio thinking. That's the draw. There's, I think it's Scream Two or Three Excellent. where the, where the ghost face is like, "Oh, you're the blonde with big breasts. We're mm-hmm. gonna play with. We're gonna play around with you for a lot longer," which mm-hmm. is so like sharp and funny, and you get it. And it's making fun of that studio mentality. Scream Five and Six are very much studio mentality making fun of fans, which is, it's just for, let's force this lazy brain dead direct down your throats and if you complain about it you're the bad person it's just the antithesis of what the original screams were and in I a can't... good way do you mean or does no that not it's awful because right, the whole okay. the, the last two films and this one very much so filled with all the worst tropes of modern horror films they don't play on them but that's what it's supposed like no they don't play the on them they act to as be stupid it always makes fun of the fact that you're coming to see a horror film you know exactly what's going to happen but it doesn't guys. make fun of that in these ones oh, it, it has the tro- cool. it, it plays off as oh. we're, they're constantly patting themselves on the back for how they're using the same tropes that everyone else oh, is using. No, it's no, awful. No. Anyway. Will, we've moved to New York, as Lorcan said. It, it was always a bit of a strange one, the Scream franchise set in Woodsboro, a sleepy suburb. Mm. And that was eventually going to get tired. Are you glad we've outgrown our setting or do you miss that integral part of this franchise? Well, I'm going to disagree with Lorcan. Good. Um, I thought this was actually a refreshing 18-rated <laughs> film, uh, which goes back to basics because I think a few of them were 15. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get an 18 rating these days, isn't it? It's true. Just, you can't pull the money in for it, so it's got to be good. True. Um, and the tagline is New York, New Rules, which in some ways, Lorcan is correct that it. it goes back to the, you know, the old trope, obviously, but it does keep you guessing at times. And it was a pleasant surprise with the... Well, with the ending, I'm not going to actually spoil it for anybody. I'm going to see it straight after the show. Good, good. Um, I had my suspicions, but I was justified slightly. So you didn't guess who or whomst did it? Yeah, I kind of did, but obviously um, you'll have to wait and watch it later on today. Um, Bring back some old characters, Mm -hmm. um, Gail and Kirby. And so also, we don't have famously we don't have Nev Campbell in this. No, she she, she, she chose not to come back. To star, no. they wouldn't pay her properly or something, and she was just like, "Look, I'm out." So I guess they had to do a big rewrite around her because she yeah. launched this whole thing. Yes, she did. She was number one, um, but obviously brings back the old survivors from the last one, which I enjoyed. Um, and Jenna Ortega just seems to be 
channeling her inner Wednesday at times. It's just you, you watch it and you, and you just feel that she's channeling her inner Wednesday, which obviously I think she was built to actually do. Yeah. Simon, because we're moving now, we loved this franchise way back. Was it late 90s or early noughties? How 90s, old is it? 90s, oh, my 90s, God. Late 90s, yeah. Okay, so we've loved it for that long. We've watched Courtney Cox age 25 years since then. And we're talking about tropes we've been watching in the cinema for decades. And now we have the new generation and Jenna Ortega, big star in her own right now after Wednesday. And she's plonked in as, I guess... A, a main character in this film does that completely jar for someone our age who's been watching this franchise from the beginning no. and it's like oh no we've moved on where's everyone gone no she's actually the highlight of the film um, you know after Wednesday she is I seem to remember she had quite a, more of a bit part in the last film because mm. um, it was more against Mr. Barrera who's barely noticeable in this one but Jenna Ortega really does <laughs> Ouch. you know lead it when she's on screen you know you watching someone who's very very good um, especially after Wednesday um, you know I have to disagree as well and all that about who the you know who the main killers are I think they had one of those balls where they just picked people that had all the actors names on it oh, and really? they just picked out a few names at random oh um, I, I disagree but, <laughs> but by that point to be honest I didn't care um, oh, no. I, apart from Jenna Ortega I don't think I really cared about any of the characters here on the reboot um, before you liked them you, you know you liked Randy in two you liked Stu in the first one the, you know they all had you know great characters here they're just irritating for most of the time um couldn't really get into all of them there were some really good set pieces which i do have to give the film credit for the um subway scene and the opening i thought were both fantastic but in the end a lot of the other time and when it starts getting twisty when it starts pulling me back you just like this makes no sense it doesn't you know you can't really follow it it so unbelievable the schemes and everything else that they're trying to pull in to tie everything together it's just like this is no logic here it's like you know it's scooby-doo logic but without the scooby-doo fun which is always a big thing about scream is how um bad the killers are but oh, in here no. it is more brutal um there is a classic let's go through the rules scene that just sh came out of nowhere that's just, what i wait for they're I just love sit, it. literally sitting on a bench and it's like <laughs> yeah, we're now going to yeah. do the rule scene because there has to be a rule scene and they're calling about the rules because they're now a franchise of so the franchise rules unfortunately the one they don't mention which i do find with a lot of these horror franchises is after the second film all they do is about killing and like saw and like many other ones I lose interest. Right. You get interesting ideas in the first couple, they run out, and then all the rest about how Focus can we kill people kill interesting. Right. It's This one's more, I wouldn't necessarily say gory, but it's definitely more brutal than the other films. Oh, yeah. They have changed it up. Um, they do just seem to be, oh, let's, how can we make Ghostface kill people more grotesquely, <laughs> like, you know, oh. the other ways. You lose that, you lose the fun, you lose the characters, and so far, apart from, like I said, a couple of sequences, you just the film just lost me. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't stress enough what what Simon's saying. The the characters here. Um, like you the, called the, someone a loaf of bread in our text group. I did. Well, that would that would be um, the <laughs> Melissa Bar Barrera, the um, breakout star who played the villain in uh, in the Heights. Um, she. 
just has she's got no presence she's got no charisma and like to, to round out the list of characters so Melissa Barrera is the main character who is her character is someone who likes to stab people which in 2023 can we please not because it's yeah a big part of the gravitas a big part of the gravitas for the Scream franchise I think is because there were real life killings and the killers blamed watching the Scream movie mm-hmm. and Scream 2 that's a vital part of the plot mm-hmm. whereas this they're literally glorifying the fact that the main character loves to stab people and it's oh. like please don't um, the, you've got the roommate whose character is that she likes uh, cheating on her boyfriend which is delightful uh, you've got guy who beats up other guys who try to get with the girl he wants to be with you've got girl who likes the guy that beats up other guys to get with her classic um, and you've got um, the Randy equivalent who somehow managed to be more annoying than the real life uh, Jamie Kennedy somehow <laughs> uh, and so you're just you're just waiting for all these characters to die but you know the film very much play uh, the, the filmmakers very clearly have their um, opinions on kind of like uh, race and gender politics which is fine but when they introduce that into a slasher film it is death because at no point did I think whenever uh, a woman or a person of color is stabbed it's like they're going to walk it off in two minutes because they don't <laughs> want to do that it's very obvious they don't want to do that happens, uh, it also very much limits who, who the killer is going to be in the end it mm. makes it I rather mean, predictable that is also one of the drawbacks from the film it is very much uh, the black knight Oh, it's only a flesh wound. Um, <laughs> the amount of times <laughs> you can't tell. Somebody can be stabbed, you know, ten times, but True. if you're a cast walk member, away. you know you're going to walk away. And yeah, and you don't know. It's a typical plot armour all the way through there. You don't know, you know, single stab wound, and they're still sprinting through and running and climbing over everything after being stabbed in the back, and you're like, how? how? So well, I actually agree, I actually agree with that, um, because obviously some of the characters... Uh, um, I like their relatives, so you have. So you're actually seeing that, obviously, with the horror buff, the person gets stabbed and just won't die. Um, so you actually see that. So I'm agreeing with Lorcan on that one, but I do actually think, and I hope it will be the last one. Uh, no, yes, as much, no, no, as much, as much, no, as much as I actually love it. It had had a good ending, but okay. I think they will make. Another one because you know Fast and Furious keeps going, so they might just keep going with this. But well, I do hope it'll be the last a one because it's a good ending. Different direction, then perhaps if they bring it back, we'll see. Don't tell me anything else. I'm going to see it. Thanks for um, raining on my brilliant parade. I've saved it for my anniversary trip because it's my favourite film franchise of all time, which <laughs> might have just been ruined. So Sorry. Here's to the directors. Um, that is Scream Certificate 18 showing in the light and the view in town. We're going to move on now to perhaps a slight more nuanced horror film let's take a little listen to Pearl please lord make me the biggest star the world has ever known so that I may get far far away from this place now caring for your family during these times is admirable but you only get one take at this life if only they would just die. Pardon? Nothing. Peter! I want to be special. Dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures. I, I will not let you leave this farm again. Simon, we're in 1918. We're in the middle of some kind of 
franchise again, I think. What's Pearl? Pearl is the surprise secret follow-up to uh, X, which came out, I think, a couple of years ago now and made my top two films of the year when it came out. Um, X, being an 18, admittedly, is a quite a hard watch, but is on Amazon Prime for anybody who wants a, a primer um, on it. And one of the characters, uh, Pearl, it sounds like Ty West and Mia Goth got together and did a bit of a um, Tarantino and Uma Thurman did with the bride, and write a full backstory for her, so which the they Bill decided to film the Kill character. Bill, the bride character, and decided to write a, a backstory um, for it because it's a bit of a spoiler. But if you've not seen X, Mia Goth plays both the old lady and the main, you know, the main star, and here it's a prequel of the old lady in X. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas X has um, very much a 1970s feel to it, Pearl, being set in 1918, goes full back on to an absolutely gorgeous technicolour palette throughout. Um, the red, that's The red, everything saturated, the colour. Um, it pays tributes to films such as, you know, um, definitely um, Wizard of Oz gets many, many hints in yes. this film throughout and mixed in with quite a bit of psycho which may be a few decades later um but it's definitely a much more reserved horror film mm-hmm. than x uh, as shown by the 15 certificate for this one rather than 18 for the previous um where you have the story of pearl who has been trapped on the farm where she's working to look after a disabled father by her domineering German mother during the war while her husband has gone off to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants stardom, she wants to be famous, she wants to go into the movies and she goes off to the cinema and watches the follies and her dancers and decides that she has to be a dancer. Mm. Um, know the feeling, girl. Which <laughs> follows, I don't know if you also know this feeling, of you know the slight obsession and not... She hasn't quite got the ability to do it. There's quite a lot of... She's um, stuck where she is. She has such big dreams, but there's no way to get there, is there? But she's also got a lot of anxiety. And as she says, there's something not quite right with her, which people can see and people reject. And she hasn't quite got the, you know... She's not quite right in the head, you could say. Um, It's... I mean, the film slowly follows her descent into madness you could Mm -hmm. say um in a psycho style and it's really brought over by mia goth's absolutely fantastic full-on out there performance she's gonna be our biggest i I mean we've been talking about the oscars when it just happened and we're just saying about people who'd be missed out and everything like that how Mia Goth is not even in the running. I mean, I know she's it's a she horror does such film, abtra- abstract and people work, don't like, yeah. and it's abstract. It's exciting. It's challenging. Um, she is so. She just goes for it. Um, it's one of the best performances I've seen in years. Um, Born in the nineties, I've yeah. just seen in Southwark in London. I assume she was yeah, in there. No, no, no. Yeah, she, she is. She's just a one of the most exciting actress. talents I've seen. And so this film magnetic is going to be iconic for her. Yeah. Um, she will become a big star, I much, think so. much bigger. This film will be iconic. Um, yeah, I mean, 
one of the best scenes about it is they got the end scene it's literally a close-up on a face for about two to three minutes while the credits on the cards play over it and it's not fixed and you just see her the grimace coming through on her face and all the emotions coming through while it's just fixed and the tears running down yeah. while she smiles and the whole thing it's it's one of those images you will never forget in horror films fabulous Lorcan mm. We love a bit of camp. This came across as super camp to me, but in the yeah. best way. Have you seen X, by the way? Yes, I have, yeah, yeah. So off the back of that, because that had quite a lot of sexual violence mm. in a way, and it was it deserved its 18 certificate, it was incredibly difficult on purpose. What were you expecting from Pearl? Because this felt... It's still a harrowing film, but it, it was so much softer. Yeah. Funny in some places, but that's where the yes. camp comes in, I think. Yeah, I, I I didn't really know what to expect from this because Ty West, uh, I like I really like some of his stuff. I really don't like some of his other stuff. X X was a a kind of fresh reinvention of himself, um, and they I think they made the wise decision. I mean, X is appropriate for because it's they're making an X rated film and then there's mm -hmm. violence, so it's it, yeah. if you want you want to feel like grit and grime, and this is very much like. Simon said it's a Technicolor homage. There's a very overt reference to the Wizard of Oz near the, near the start of the film, which I won't even begin to mention. Um, but it's very sweet that Ty West and Mia Goth clearly got together. They were they kind of played well off each other, and they were like, "Listen, we got we got this set. We got this. We've got this area reserved to film X. Um, why don't we just film another movie?" Lot, like Roger Corman used to do that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, Mia Goth is fantastic. Um, it, it comes across a little more like a Mia Goth showreel, more than a proper film, a little more pacing and tightness in the script and a bit more of a plot would have been I really lovely. Um, but they did film it in their spare time effectively. So what they've done is amazing. Had they had more time and really built a proper story here, that would have been fantastic. But for me, the main thing is that you, you're riffing on technical things like Wizard of Oz, Pollyanna, Tammy. You need some musical numbers in there. You have, like Obviously, they couldn't Guy do that with the time they had. But they just had the like, perfect opportunity, though, in the, in the scene in the church hall where she's yes. auditioning for something, and yeah. I was expecting that because I'd been led with this camp kind of feeling all the way through. Yeah. I was like, okay, a tap number is coming. <laughs> and you want that You want that kind of Oklahoma opening, like, I'm living in nowhere. Like, you, yeah. you want that kind of, that, ceiling, that feeling of you're in this universe. Um, whereas it, it always kind of feels like it's poking fun at it. Um, but yeah, Mia, Mia Goth, she, um, she, I, it's hard to describe what the draw is there, but there is this electricity with she's, her. She's... Yeah, indescribable. Yeah, really. And it's apparently a very incredible. good writer because Ty West, I don't right. think, has written any character stuff as good as this before. No. So I think that probably comes from Mia Garth as well, which is nice. It is brilliantly fabulous. We do have to scoot on to our last film, but Simon did let me in on. I didn't hang around for the post credit scene. There is one, and you'll be very pleased, font-wise, to learn that I think we're going into the 80s for the third installment yes, of this film. Maxine, who is the surviving character from X. She was the surviving X. character from X. It looks like it's set several years later, following her again. And again, the surviving character was played by Mia Goth, so it's going to be their third film. Excellent. And I can't wait for it. So we're all going to watch out for Maxine. We've got to scoot on to the last film of the show, our favourite, Dirty But In A Good Way. Is that a good really thing? Well, he, he gets the job done, but he's really a... Mm, that's problematic. Luther has his own film. Here we go. <laughs> Detective Superintendent Shank. We need to know where he is. Look, I know he's in prison. Except he's not in prison. 
course he's not. You promised me you could help. You know what they did to my son. I need to stop this man. I'm still a copper. Not anymore. And if you refuse to stand down, tactical unit will shoot you dead. <laughs> Something's coming. Jordan, I looked you right in the eye. Because I was curious. I wanted to know if you'd see it in me. So brilliant, but disgraced detective John Luther, played by now mega superstar Idris Elba. You might have followed him on the TV for several series. He's chasing a new killer, played by Andy Serkis. I'm just catching up with the series. I was horrified by this film. Really artistically awful crimes as they're written. But he's got a problem in that right at the beginning he's in prison so he can't chase down this new serial killer so there's a hump to get over before we get into what the film was actually like new to netflix will has celebrity idris gossip and that's where we're going to start because it's really the most important aspect <laughs> really yeah well i'm distantly related to idris <laughs> distantly yes um basically I, I still talk to his mother every month Adorable. but um well i don't think he's replying to my texts anymore because really? Well, there may be a reason because like, I think it was about eight years ago, we um, I wanted to go paintballing for my birthday, and I was texting him saying, "Yeah, you want to come along?" Whatever. Idris is going to paintball at your yeah, birthday. No, yeah, I messaged, I messaged <laughs> him. Yes. No, no, no. Well, he might have been busy, um, but I actually included him in the group chat, obviously that which exposed his number. So I got a text saying. You've actually included my number in this. People are going to have my number. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So I removed him from that. And then I think a year later, I kind of like never heard from him again. And I think he's got a new number. But his mum still talks to me, which is good. You're not allowed that number because you can't be yeah, trusted. So, so yeah, so... Neither um, can I, neither can I. Yeah, well, yeah, I wouldn't trust you with that now. <laughs> I don't know if I've told the story five times this month yet, but my close <laughs> personal friend, Woody Harrelson, <laughs> who I interviewed on the phone for this show years ago, mm -hmm. I was so excited. I was like, I have this guy's phone number is a hotel room down by the studios he was shooting his Star Wars thing at. I had it in my phone for a long time, just in case. <laughs> but he doesn't live in that hotel room. Damn. Sadly. Anyway, moving on. Did you see the series before you saw this film? Yes, I did. Um, because this, well, this series... Um, You're your fam. You've got to support. I, yeah, I've got to support it. Um, and it kicks off like four years I think it's four years after the last series it's a weird bitty series because yeah. I'm now starting from the beginning the first series has six episodes as does the second and then we moved to three episodes yes, and they three came back the for two yeah. and then it was really yeah it's strange yeah. Um, well it's in, it was in selected cinema up till last Friday but so now it did get a cinema release yep but Netflix okay. now have total control of it um, I watched it in the cinema because it's something you've got to do indeed um, and it comes back bigger and better and I think Idris was actually made for this role um, but I do actually miss Alice, who was in the original series. She was the, the anti-hero. Yeah, the redhead, the anti-hero. Because okay. um, she was a bad guy, but obviously you just had Helped to love her. in certain ways. Yeah, you had to love her. Um, she was a bit of a nutcase, though. But you know what? Yeah. Sometimes we've got to be crazy. Um, and But doesn't continue from the original timeline, which okay. did actually shock me because obviously got if, if you've actually watched it, he does get arrested in the, uh, at the end of the last one. But in this one, he gets incarcerated again for all his past crimes, 
by the new antagonist played by Andy Serkis. Indeed. Yeah. Simon, were you surprised to see Andy Serkis in a role like this? Because without having seen the series before, it's straight to Netflix for me. I know Idris is a huge star now, but I'm thinking, what's Andy Serkis doing in a TV movie? I was surprised by his hair. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, terrible hair work. <laughs> terrible Andy. hair. I mean, Andy, Andy's great in everything he does. I mean, especially Andor, which he was in, of course, recently, which mm-hmm. could save TV. Um... So him and Cynthia Erivo, you know, both joined in yes, here. Yes, Cynthia Erivo um, is the main in this. I've never seen the TV show. And no, I, I hadn't when I, when I, I watched Okay, this. to be honest, I watched the first episode and couldn't be bothered to watch the rest of it. Fair enough. Um, and having watched the film, I'm not going to be going back to watching the TV show either. Um, Idris is a, a class above in this film, and I was disappointed by his first season performance because he's been asked for something quite formulaic is, and it's quite predictable. Formulaic, I think he's amazing in this. I mean, I don't know how much you know the it's a creative team uh, based on this. It is Neil Cross who did the first one, but overall, I found the plot quite nasty uh, to be honest for which did surprise me is how nasty it was yeah. um, it's incredibly dark it was and also quite dated um, yeah. all the things about the internet being bad for you got ideas touched on yeah, um, Black Mirror and many of the films from the 1990s and mm-hmm. it films like it hasn't actually updated any of its opinions about the internet since the 1990s which meant everything just felt very dated i'd seen it all before any interesting ideas it could have gone into it just skirted over and ignored whereas black mirror had entire episodes devoted to parts of it and it just turned into generic serial killer flick where the serial killer is a an amazing person with all the resources they need and can do massive traps like moriarty style which Mm. just none of it rang true it was just a dirty pulpy horror i mean i'm a big fan of jack um lee charles jack reacher books Mm -hmm. and it did seem like a plot out of a jack reacher book except you've got idris playing the main guy luther did it still entertain though will even though i agree with everything simon's saying i still liked it because i still watch 90s thriller films Mm. because that's my jam were you entertained? Do you think other people will be entertained? Or do you think some audiences are a little expecting a little more nuance if they're not used to this kind of genre, maybe? I think Die Hard Luther fans will actually enjoy it. And, and fans of Die Hard, it's kind of that level. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, obviously, if you wait till the very end, you'll actually see something which kind of um, pushes towards... Um, you know, Luther actually having another role. So, will there be another film? Will there be a series? So, the other we role will find I it. think he was up for, having gone back to watch the series now, there's no way they can make him Bond. I think that's what you mean. Yes. So, it's so, so obviously, I don't think he'll be Bond, up. but obviously, it points to something secret. Let's just say that. Something secret and yeah. exciting. Why then does this come to Netflix now? Like, I agree, some plot points are dated. It was a brilliant series, which I think obviously doesn't know what it is or where it is, given the inconsistency with the length of the series. Do you think the BBC's just sold their idea to Netflix to make a buck and they think they can do a better job with it? Possibly, um, because there were talks about having it as a stage as a stage production. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah it was um, a couple of years ago, and now, obviously, I think the film would be the ideal outlet for it. Okay. Yeah. No shame in that game. Well, we've had what a wild ride, guys. We've gone through Shazam, 65, Alleluia, Scream 6, Pearl, and then on to Luther. It's been kind of dark, huh? Mm-hmm. 
It's been lovely. In honor of Shazam, we're playing a Bonnie Tyler classic, which you guys all picked. It was nothing to do with me. <laughs> we're holding out for here, but thank you, Lorcan. You gotta say bye. Goodbye. This is they can't see you waving. This is not a visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure we were doing the outros now. Okay, goodbye. We are. Thank you, Will. So long. <laughs> and thank you, Simon. Goodbye. We'll see you in two weeks' time, but go to Cambridge 105 Radio's website. You'll be able to get this on the podcast very soon if you missed anything. See you in a couple of weeks, guys. Cambridge 105 Radio.